Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. If you love coffee, Hebrews chapter 4. I know, that's cheesy. It's too early for cheesy jokes. Um, We've been in this series, No Other Name, and I love the portrait that God paints of who Jesus is. Throughout this series, it's like each week is another brush stroke. It's another color on the canvas of our opportunity to be able to, to actually not just hear but see who God is. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so several weeks ago, we talked about Jesus the servant. We said Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve others. And he set the example for us. And then we talked about Jesus the teacher. Remember, we said Jesus would would teach in rows, but he would explain in circles. We talked about the value of getting into circles so we can grab hold of truth. And then if you were here last week, we talked about Jesus the healer. And we said Jesus wants to heal you everywhere you hurt. Uh, Today, I want to talk to you about Jesus our priest. Jesus our priest. A man named Bubba moved from Arkansas. Now, if your name's Bubba, we love you. But a man named Bubba moved from Arkansas to South Louisiana to work in a chemical plant. Every Friday evening after work, he would fire up the grill outside, and he would cook deer steaks. Come on, how many of you feel the Holy Ghost on that? Mmm, deer steaks on the grill. All of Bubba's new neighbors were Catholic, and since it was Lent, they were forbidden from eating meat on Friday. The delicious aroma from the steaks was causing such a problem for the neighbors that they finally talked to their local priests. The priest came to visit Bubba and suggested that he become a Catholic. So after several classes and much study, Bubba attended Mass. And as the priest sprinkled holy water over him, he said, You were born a Baptist. You were raised a Baptist. But now you are Catholic. So Bubba's neighbors, they were greatly relieved. Until the following Friday evening arrived and the wonderful aroma of grilled deer once again filled the neighborhood. The neighbors called the priest immediately and as he rushed into Bubba's backyard preparing to scold him, he stopped and watched in amazement. There stood Bubba clutching a small bottle of water which he had carefully sprinkled over the grilled meat and he chanted, you was born a deer, you was raised a deer, but now you's a catfish. Everybody say, God bless Bubba. Uh, I want to talk to you about Jesus, our priest. Hebrews chapter 4. Let me read a, a couple of verses to you, and I think this is going to help us understand the significance and the meaning of what that holds for us today, Jesus being our priest. Hebrews 4.14, the Scripture says it like this. So then... Since we have a great high priest, somebody say high priest, not just any priest, but we have a high priest who's entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours, he understands our weaknesses. 
for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. For there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? Now let me give you some history about the priest. The, the, the Old Testament priest were required to be descendants of Aaron. When God spoke to Moses and set up this Old Testament religious system, the, the line of Aaron, those men were to be the priests. Now, a priest would represent the people to God. Priests had special access to God that the ordinary citizen did not. You couldn't just approach the presence of God. You had to go through the priest. If you needed forgiveness, you couldn't do it on your own. You had to go through the priest because the priest represented the people to God. The priest was the bridge, the go-between. If you wanted to worship, you didn't just enter anyway. You, you talked to the priest, and he prepared your sacrifice and your offering to worship. Uh, the priest made animal sacrifices all day, whether it was a goat or a calf or a bull or a ram, they prepared these sacrifices, and in doing so, it atoned for the people's sin. And that word atone is an interesting word. We don't use it a whole lot in this day and age, but it was the, the requirement, the payment for the penalty of our sin, and that animal served as a substitute. Now, many of you know that Passover was the, 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 I guess, the climax of all the festivals, of all the, the different uh, religious practices. The Feast of Passover was the most significant. And once a year, people would gather in Jerusalem. And it wasn't just a priest, but the high priest, the, 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 the priest of all, the, the, the most, uh, he had the, the largest clout and the most power, the, the most significant role in the community. During Passover, he would enter a room called uh, the, the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, there was that ark, the Ark of the Covenant. That ark contained Aaron's rod. That ark contained the Ten Commandments. The ark was the representation of the presence of God. And the priest would first make sacrifices for himself because he had to be cleansed before he could enter into the Holy of Holies. But once he sacrificed for himself, then he would offer sacrifices for the entire nation in that significant room in the temple of God. And I know I'm, I'm spending a little time trying to set a backdrop, but I want you to catch how important this is. This, this has significance for you and me today. In fact, there was a uh, history tells us that before the high priest would walk into the Holy of Holies, it was such a sacred environment that they would tie a rope around his ankle. So in case he was impure, or he was unclean, if there was unconfessed sin in his life, when he walked into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God was so awesome and so powerful that he would immediately be struck dead. And no man would dare go into that place, but with that rope, they would pull him out back into the common world. You know, my mind sometimes it jumps around when I read some of the Old Testament history and practices, and I wonder what would happen today if there was a rope tied around my ankle. And I'm preaching, but I'm not quite preaching as good as I need to preach. And so they drag me out, pull me out, take me off the stage. We got to get somebody better up in here. Aren't you glad that we live in the New Testament? But, but now, now he, he, I want you to catch this, and, and this is important. 
And, and this may seem oversimplified, but if you're taking notes, I want you to jot down this first thought. And this is a powerful thought. Number one, Jesus is our high priest. In Hebrews 4, the Bible says, you no longer look to a man. Jesus has become that man. He is now our high priest, and this is important, and this is why I want to encourage you. you got to keep your eyes on Jesus, because if you put your eyes on a man, how many of you know that even a good man will fall short? Even a great man will disappoint. Man, by nature, is flawed. And sometimes good people, they fall short. And so if you're going to focus on a man, if you put your faith in man alone, you are setting yourself up for major disappointment. It's important for me to tell you this this morning, that Healing Place Church is not built on the personality of a man. This stage is not a platform to create a celebrity out of anyone. We are here to make Jesus famous. And everything we do is to lift up that name. Listen, if you put your faith and trust in man alone, I've seen it, you've seen it. When people fall short, it's amazing how people's faiths begin to crumble. And it tells me, well, wait a second. Now, man can do his best to represent God, but your trust and your faith has to be in God. It can't be in human element. Don't build your life up on the scaffolding of humanity because something will happen and all of that will come crumbling down. Jesus is our high priest. Now, the, the, many people believe that the author of Hebrews was the Apostle Paul. And just to give you some context, these were Jewish Christians who didn't know what to do with the law. Remember, God had given the law to Moses. This Old Testament sacrificial system was instituted by God, but it was passed through Moses. And Aaron, the priestly line, those men were the ones who administrated all of the sacrifices of the people. Consider this. When Jesus came came along, Jesus was the fulfillment of that law. He didn't say, I've come to condemn the law or even to set it aside. He said, I am the fulfillment of everything in that Old Testament covenant. In fact, Hebrews tells us we have a better covenant made on better promises. So, so he's encouraging, the writer here is encouraging these first century Jewish Christians because they don't know what to do. Their whole lives, they had worshipped a specific way. The, the tradition and the practices and the ritual of their worship for centuries had been in their families. But Jesus came along and he threw a curve into the whole thing. In fact, when Jesus would teach, he would say things like this. You've heard it said in the law of Moses... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, if somebody slaps your left cheek, turn the other cheek too. How many of you wish that on some days you could just be an Old Testament Christian? <laughs> eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You slap me, I'm slapping you. I'm bringing that Old Testament law up in this place. And Jesus said, no, 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 you turn the other cheek. The law of Moses says that if you have sex outside of marriage, you've committed adultery. But Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. I mean, Jesus didn't lower the bar. He raised it. Jesus, and this is important because we have to keep our eyes on Christ. You know, sometimes, you know, man means well, but he doesn't always turn out well. And if I hang my hat on the hook of a man, and whatever I have hanging there is going to fall down. 
But Jesus will never disappoint. Jesus, his words are always true. In fact, Romans 3, 4, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. What does that mean? That says this, basically, when man's words disappoint you, God's word never will. So what do we do now as New Testament believers? Thank God for the Old Testament office of the priest. But we don't look to a man. Jesus became that man. So healing place, hear my heart. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Because things will come and things will go. Culture will say things. The media will say things. Politics will say things. Your friends will say things. But you got to keep your eyes on the prize. Jesus is our high priest. This is important. He's showing the church that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, and he's an upgrade in every way. I love that. Look at what it says. Number two, I want you to write this down. Because Jesus is our high priest, number two, we hold firmly to our faith. That's what the scripture says. Because we have this high priest, we must hold firmly to our faith. Or the Amplified says it this way. We must cling tenaciously to our absolute trust in Jesus as Savior. Cling tenaciously. Here's the picture that I got even this morning. And I'm not the, the best when it comes to pets and animals. But what's the dog that whenever it bites into something, it just locks in and you can't pry its jaws? What's the, is that a bulldog? Is that a, a pit bull? Okay, a pit bull. So, so in my mind, I see this pit bull faith. We just, we hold firmly. We lock in. Doesn't matter how we feel. Doesn't matter what we see. Doesn't even matter what we understand. But we lock in to our faith. Because Jesus is that man. We keep our eyes on him. And then we lock in and we hold on to that. You see, the author's telling the Hebrews that Old Testament sacrificial system is done because Jesus is our high priest. Aren't you glad that every time you sin, you don't have to sacrifice an animal? What would it be like if every time we sinned, Lord have mercy, there'd be dogs in the neighborhood missing, cats, where'd little Fifi go? Sorry, I had a bad thought, you know. I'm so glad that we don't have to find animals to make atonement for our sin. But Jesus, because he is the high priest, he has been that sacrificial lamb for us. And so we hold tightly. We cling to him. Notice the writer is saying, don't go back to that dead, empty religion. Okay, now I'm going to stop right here for a second. Can I talk where we live? Sometimes we hold tightly to traditions, to preference, to a certain style. We hold tightly to those things thinking that it's Jesus. Whenever the writer here says, no, no, you cling to Jesus and all those other things you need to hold loosely. Okay? Are you with me? If you're clinging to tradition or some religious exercise, Jesus is saying, you've grabbed hold of the wrong thing. You see, the problem is this. We hold tightly to things that don't matter, and we lose our grip on things that do. Come on, don't patty cake. If you're going to clap, let's clap. If you're going to cling tenaciously to your faith, that means that there are other things that you're just going to need to release. 
I'm concerned that in the church today, we're holding on to things that don't matter. And we've let slip through our hands what matters most. Now, I don't know if you've been in church any amount of time, but I have been in church. I'm 43 years old. So I've been in church for 43 years and nine months. How many of you, your mama brought you to church in her belly? Yes, indeed. All I know is church. I mean, I was nearly born on the front row. You know, as the, as the choir was singing, just as I am, that's just how I came. My earliest memories are church life. My dad was the choir director at our small country church in Fredericktown, Missouri. And so I, my earliest memories are, are thoughts and, and experiences that are wrapped around church. And I've noticed how things in church over the years have evolved and changed. I'm, I'm convinced that God doesn't care very much about what color the carpet is in our church. But yet sometimes we hold on to things that we think are so spiritual. Come on, are you with me? I mean, God bless carpet, but I don't think when we get to heaven, he's going to be disappointed with us because we chose the wrong color of carpet. Mm -mm -mm. Or, you know, there was a day when we used to sing out of a hardback book called a hymnal. How many members those days? And we would, you know, and my dad would say, turn to hymnal, turn in your hymnal to page 243. And so, man, we're finding 243. And there it was. And he'd say, let's sing the first, second, and last stanzas. And I thought, well, okay, what about verse 3? We never would sing verse 3. We'd sing 1, 2, and 4. Whatever happened to verse 3? I had to feel sorry for these writers who would write four verses and we'd only sing three out of four. But do you remember how we kind of, over the years, we no longer sing out of a hardback book, but there was a time in the 80s when they had what was called transparencies. Remember that? And then you'd put a, a, a transparency on a projector, and they'd project on that wall. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes, indeed. And Rachel was at this church, when we were singing from transparencies, Rachel was the transparency girl. And so she would move the transparency, and you had to keep up with the words to the song, and sometimes you put a little sheet of paper so you can't see the words that you're about to say. How many knows what I'm talking about? Oh, and then we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And this right here, remember this right here? Man, you were really spiritual when you broke out in this. Mm, and we offer up to you. Doing a little Heisman, man. Remember those days? Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. Singing from a hymn, though. Now we got words on a transparency up on the sheetrock. Wait a second, what happened to the hymn? But now we don't do transparencies anymore. Now we have screens. We've got iMacs. We've got cameras. And the words are at the lower portions of the screen. Well, whatever happened to the hymn, though? Sometimes we're holding on to things that we think are so important and we forget what's most important. It's not the way that we worship, it's the one that we worship. Come on, talk to me. Oh, but wait a second, we got guitars. We got electric guitars up in this church. Those drums, oh my goodness, beating the snot out of that snare drum. And smoke machines. <sighs> smoke the devil's in the smoke machines. <laughs> and then some people think, it's the holy smoke! You know, and, and sometimes what we hold on to is preference. What we hold on to is nostalgia. 
Well, you know, what we hold on to is, is our own desire, and God's saying, wait a second, don't clutch on to that. You clutch to me. You hold firmly to me. You know, I mean, think about it. There was a day in the church when Amazing Grace was a brand new song. What do you think that day was like? Well, never sung that one before. You get home after church, what was that Amazing Grace thing all about? You know, that song just didn't do much for me. I didn't think worship was about you anyway. I thought worship was unto him, right? You know, the Bible says, sing unto the Lord a new song. Come on. You know what that tells me? I believe that the best anthems and songs of the church have yet to be written. I think there are new things. There are new sounds. Now, listen, it's all based out of the Scripture. But please don't hold on to a tradition in the name of Jesus, and he's saying you're clinging to the wrong things. Are you with me? Even the way that we give. My goodness, well, wait, you mean I can take out my cell phone and I can text to give? That's not really giving. Oh, yeah, ask your bank account. <laughs> it will show that that transaction happened. Can I have a good amen? <laughs> or even Bible translation. Come on, I know what I'm, I, you, you, I'm stepping into something, aren't I? Woo, I'm stirring up some stuff up in here today. Listen, hey, I love you. Your, your pastor loves you. Turn your name and say, pastor loves me. I'm saying this with a smile, but even translations of the Bible, the, the, the KJV, the King James. Well, I'm committed to the KJV because that's the version that the Apostle Paul read. <laughs> KJV was 1611. Apostle Paul was back in like 30. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> he didn't read the KJV. You know, uh, why is it that we, we buy into this idea that says, well, we've never done it that way before. When we say we've never done it that way before, that is a declaration of death. I'm telling you, the clock is ticking for a church that buys into the idea, well, we've never done it that way before. You know, the Hebrews were confronted with this man, Jesus, and they leaned to tradition. We've never done it this way before. We're supposed to sacrifice, and Jesus said, no, no, I'm your high priest. And because I'm here, you cling to me. You see, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So we hold on to what doesn't change. And then we, we release the things that are supposed to change. Can I tell you, my kids and grandkids will not connect with God the same way that I do. So I can't hold them hostage to a specific style. I'm telling you, we've, we've crucified a generation. Did you know, I read the statistic last week and it broke my heart. But in America this week, in this week alone, 200 churches will close their doors. 200 churches will close their doors. And I wonder if it's because, well, we've never done it this way before. Because Jesus is our high priest, we hold firmly to him and the truth of his word. Now, let me say something, beloved. Please hear me, and I say this in love. But if you're not convinced in the authority of Scripture, then you'll be a slave to whatever sounds good. Can I say that again? You've got to be convinced in the, the, the infallible, absolute truth of this book. Because if you're not convinced that this is our authority, then whatever comes down the pipe, 
Whatever sounds good, whatever feels good, you'll drift that direction. See, the Apostle Paul, the writer of Hebrews says, because Jesus is our high priest, then you have that pit bull faith and you cling to him and him alone. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Can I have a good amen? Then notice what it says here in verse 15. This high priest of ours, he understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings as we do, yet he did not sin. The third thing I want you to see in this passage is this. Not only is he our high priest, not only do, do we, we hold firmly to what we believe, hold firmly to our faith, but number three, Jesus understands. This is so refreshing. No other God of any other religion does what our God does. Jesus, whatever you've experienced, whatever trial, whatever trouble, whatever hurt, whatever heartache, everything that you're facing right now, I want you to know this. It may be new to you, but it's not new to Jesus. You know, consider Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember that? The Bible says that he prayed, and it was so intense and so severe that it was as if he were sweating great drops of blood. He said, Lord, if it possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And as Jesus hung on that cross a few hours later, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, even God knows what it feels like to be forsaken by God. No other religion, no other, no, no other God does that but ours. Jesus understands. This ought to bring great hope to people today. I don't know how people make it through things in life apart from the love of God. You know, if you don't have the word to hold on to and a loving Savior who identifies whatever trial, temptation, or test, he knows. He knows. In fact, you need to take comfort in this. You will never go where Jesus has not already been. You'll never experience it something. You know, have you ever wanted, and I thought about this this week. You remember growing up as kids when you just thought your parents, they were so lame and they didn't understand? How many members that? Like you were too cool for school and, man, my parents are so out of touch. And, you know, I tell our kids all the time. I, I tell Alexa and Michaela and Trevor, I said, listen, your mom and dad, we used to be the cool kids until you came along. And then we lose cool points, right? I mean, we're just, oh, parents just don't understand. And I'll never forget when Alexa was born. Because I used to think that way about my mom and dad. Oh, goodness. They're just so out of touch. I never understood them. And then when Alexa was born, I called up my dad. And I'm like, Dad, for real? I mean, is this how it really is? Did you go through all this? And he was like, yes, son. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Now, now, what happened in that moment? Did my parents get smarter? No. I just gained a little understanding. All of a sudden now, I got a little reality check. Oh, a whole new world. <laughs> Where did that come from, babe? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's worse than you think it is. I'm telling you. I begin to understand, I got a revelation. It's, you know, Jesus has never been like, oh, I wish I could identify. He knows. When you feel completely alone, 
when you feel so broken on the inside, when you lack the words to describe the pain that you carry, that unspeakable, boy, I feel the Spirit of God ministering to some people right now, that unspeakable, unfathomable hurt, Jesus knows exactly what that feels like. He took all of it upon himself. You know, today we have these modern conveniences like the Internet. We have YouTube. Has anybody ever looked anything up on YouTube? You didn't know how to do it. And so you're thinking, man, I'm going to YouTube it, right? I mean, you can learn everything on YouTube. You can learn how to tie a tie on YouTube. You can learn how to install a radiator on YouTube. If you want to know how to cut your azaleas, just YouTube it. You know, you can do, if you've ever wanted to start a fire with a lemon, it's on there. 21 million views. That comes in handy in case you're ever stranded in the wilderness with nothing but a lemon. <laughs> For real. What are we doing? We want somebody to show us an example. Just don't give me the instruction manual. Don't just tell me about it. Show me. Right? Show. And Jesus doesn't just tell us about it in his word. He shows us. He's the example. He understands. I love that about our God. No other God of any other religion does what this God. He's our high priest, so we cling. We hold fast to what we believe, and we know that Jesus understands. Consider this. In Genesis 22, God spoke to Abraham, and he said, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, that son of promise, and I want you to go up to the top of Mount Moriah, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice unto me. You see, this was before the law of Moses. That whole sacrificial thing was a foreshadow of what was to come. And imagine the struggle in Abraham's understanding. Wait a second, God. This is the son of promise. You said that I would be the father, not just of a son, but of a great nation. And now you're requiring me to offer this son on this altar to you? But little did Abraham know that as he struggled up one side of the mountain, his solution was coming up the other side of the mountain. And God would provide a ram in the thicket. And so that tells us that whatever dream and promise that God has given us, we keep it surrendered. I don't know what your struggle is, but God will provide the solution for that struggle because we serve a high priest who understands everything that we go through. Do you believe that? Let, let me finish. Let me wrap this up with this. The Bible says, because he understands, verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Number four, and I want to ask the band to come up because I want to be able to pray for you. But number four, because Jesus understands, we enter boldly into his presence. Now, this is a big deal. Hey, y'all, please dial in for the last few moments of this message. But I want you to see how important this is. Because Jesus understands now we can approach his presence with boldness. You see, in the ancient world, you would never enter the presence of a king unless you were summoned. If you weren't invited and you just showed up, you could be executed. But now, because of our great high priest, because of what he's done for us, we cling to him. Because he understands, now we approach boldly. Why are we bold? Why are we confident? Can I tell you, you can approach the presence of God with confidence. Why is that? Because of his character. Because of his nature. 
If you're a parent and you've had small kids, how do they run into your bedroom on a Saturday morning when you're trying to sleep? Man, they're not asking for permission. They're bouncing all up in your space. Why? Because you're dad. And, and, and not that we approach him haphazardly, but because we know the character and nature of our father, the invitation has already been given. You can enter his presence. You don't have to go through a man to do it or a bunch of religious exercises to earn the right to have an audience with this king. Jesus has done all the work. And what do you find when you reach his presence? What does it say in Hebrews 4, verse 16? We enter boldly the throne room of God where we find grace and mercy. Grace that gives us strength and mercy that lifts away our guilt. Do you know the difference between grace and mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You and I deserve hell. We deserve judgment. We deserve the wrath of God. But God withholds that. That's mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. I know I have something coming to me. I owe it because my sin record is so much larger than anything I could do. That's mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is not deserving what you get. That favor, that goodness, that, that, that strength, that's what, that's what grace is. And I love what we find in his presence. We find mercy. That helps us with sin. Grace, that helps us with everyday life. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.